Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on August 21st, 2016, on the basis of John chapter 6, verses 51 through 69. We've made it to the end of this series entitled The Hierarchy of Hunger. If I could recap where we've been so far, I would say that for the first several weeks, Jesus was mostly doing things. He provided that massive crowd of hungry people with a miraculous meal. That very same night, he demonstrated his power over the forces of nature by walking on water. Jesus proved his ability to provide for all of the needs at the very bottom of Abraham Maslow's pyramid. One final time you get to see it, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of human need. Jesus had demonstrated, beyond all doubt, his ability to provide for those earthly physical needs at the bottom. But then Jesus stopped doing, and he started speaking. And he wanted the crowds of people who were following him to know that his primary reason for being here was not not to satisfy our earthly hunger, but to satisfy our spiritual hunger. And he wanted them to know that if they tried to satisfy that spiritual hunger with the very same things that satisfied their earthly hunger, they would always end up disappointed. Whatever they might chase after to try and find love and belonging or esteem or or purpose in life, whether that would be a career or wealth or beauty or popularity, Jesus said all of those things are nothing more than food that spoils He said, I and I alone am the bread of life. All that other stuff is just fast food. Jesus and Jesus alone is the feast. In other words, you might say that this sermon that he gave them was in large part about having proper priorities. So do you think it worked? Let me ask you that question this way. When when you look at your life and realize that your priorities are a little bit out of whack, is it because you need to be informed about what's truly important? For example, if you find that recently you've been a slave to your job, you're spending way too many hours at the office, and even when you're at home, you're glued to your phone so that you can read and answer those emails, is it because you need to be told that family time is important? Do you, know, do you not know that? Do you not realize that? Amen. When you find yourself spending your money foolishly, spending more than what you take in, racking up a mountain of credit card debt, is it because, it's because you don't know that it's wiser to spend less than what you make and to save up for things like retirement? If you make for yourself an exercise plan, if you say, I'm going to go to the gym three times every week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but you find that you've missed the last 173 appointments, is it because you need to be reminded that exercise is important? Probably not, right? You know what's important in your life, and yet sometimes we struggle to put those things into practice because doing so takes, takes determination, it takes discipline, it takes sacrifice. Well, in the very same way, we can, we can look at this sermon that Jesus gave and we can say, yep, I know full well that, that everything in my life pertains only to the 80 or so years that I'm going to be here on this earth, but there is just one thing 
that impacts my eternity, just one thing that impacts the eternity of my children, and that is our relationship with Jesus. And so that is the most important thing, and it's not even close. It's easy to say that, to nod our heads in agreement, but, but to put that into practice, to let that actually guide our decision-making, to let it guide the way that we manage our calendars and manage our budgets, that's, boy, that's a lot harder, isn't it? So how do we, how do we change that? That's really the topic that the final verses of this section of God's Word that we're looking at addresses. Putting those priorities that we know to be true into practice, living out in real life what we know to be true in our heads, we might say acquiring an ever greater appetite for Jesus, the bread of life. Now, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks or don't remember exactly some of the things that Jesus said, don't worry. Right at the very end of this sermon, Jesus sort of recaps the main points of this sermon that he had given to these people. And Jesus really emphasizes two important things. The first thing he emphasizes is that a half-hearted relationship with Jesus isn't going to cut it. If we are by nature spiritually starving and Jesus really is the bread of life, then what good will it do us if we just sort of pick at him a couple of crumbs at a time or, or nibble on the edges a little bit or maybe take a sample bite and see how it tastes before we have any more? No, our, our faith is not just one of many, many things that we try and juggle in our increasingly busy lives. Our faith has to be that one thing that we can never skip out on, that one thing that we can never skimp on. If, if by nature we are starving and Jesus is the bread of life, then our attitude toward Jesus will resemble the way that a starving person would act when for the first time in weeks some food is placed before him. That's the first point Jesus makes. The second point Jesus makes is closely related to it. He says that all by itself... Even the most intense faith, even the most wholehearted devotion will do no good. The only reason faith in Jesus does is because Jesus is the bread of life. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, whoever believes in me has eternal life. Whoever doesn't, doesn't. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. In other words, even the most intense and wholehearted faith in anyone or anything else is simply faith in the cheap, imitation, artificially engineered junk food, the fast food of life. Only faith in Jesus is faith in the all-natural, organic, cage-free, grass-fed, grade-A feast. Faith all by itself doesn't do us any good, but faith in Jesus and Jesus alone gives a person eternal life. Amen. That's where he stopped. That's where Jesus ended. As he was trying to persuade these people to have an increasing appetite for the bread of life, that's where Jesus ended. You know, normally if you're trying to teach someone how to acquire a taste for something, what do you do? you give them that thing in very small doses, right? Just a little bit at a time. In fact, maybe you've tried that with your kids, right? Just, just try it. Just take a couple of bites and, and see how you like it. Jesus takes the exact opposite approach. Right at the very end of everything that he's going to say, he 
puts one more heaping helping of everything that he's trying to teach them right on their plates and sort of shoves it right in front of them. It's no wonder that some of Jesus' own followers came to him in response and said, Jesus, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? They're saying, Jesus, you were so popular after that miracle. You had 20,000 people who were waiting to crown you their king. You're going to blow it. You need to tone it down just a little bit because the things that you are saying are kind of tough to swallow. And Jesus responds by saying, well, that's, that's kind of the point. Specifically, he says this. Does this offend you? The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. In other words, Jesus is saying, I know that my message is not going to be very appetizing, but it is the work of the Holy Spirit to create faith in that message, to increase people's appetite for the bread of life. I said this a couple of weeks back, but it's worth saying again. It would have been very different if Jesus had come and said, I have the bread of life. I can give you the bread of life. It would have been very different if Jesus had said, all of my moral teachings, the things I've taught you about loving your neighbor, about treating others with respect, about being humble and generous, these things are the bread of life. If you do them, you will live. It would have been very different if Jesus had said, my example is the bread of life. The way that you've seen me live, go and live the same way and and you will live. If Jesus had said, I have the bread of life, then it would make perfect sense that we could sort of pick at it bit by bit or just nibble a little bit on the edges or maybe take some of what Jesus has to offer and combine it with what other philosophies and other religions have to offer and say, this is going to be my diet. And all of that would be much more palatable to us by human nature. But instead, Jesus says, no, half-hearted faith will do you no good. And faith in anyone and anything else will do you no good. And even to this day, there isn't much that, that offends people, that people find more disgusting than that. Jesus could have said, I have the bread of life, but, but of course that would have created one giant problem. If Jesus simply had the bread of life, you and I would be in big, big trouble. If Jesus moral teachings or his good example were our bread of life, we would be in big, big trouble. In fact, the person who tries to gain eternal life by following Jesus' moral code gets exactly to the same place as the person who tries to gain eternal life by following the moral codes of other people like Buddha or Muhammad. He gets absolutely nowhere. God looks at our performance against any moral code and finds it pathetically lacking, far short of his perfect expectations for us, not worthy of eternal life, but worthy of eternal death. And so that's why Jesus had to come not to give the bread of life, but to be the bread of life. That's why he came to say, I am the bread of life, not my moral teachings, not my good example, but just me, my flesh, my blood. My life as the replacement for yours, 
My perfect obedience for your disobedience. My commitment for your cowardice. My compassion for your cold-heartedness. My generosity for your greed. My humility for your pride. Finally, my death for your debt. That's why Jesus is our only hope, and that's why a relationship with him has to be anything but half-hearted. That's why Jesus came to say, I am the bread of life. By nature, it's a message that we find instinctually a little bit disgusting, but, but one that through the power of the Holy Spirit can and will work faith in people's hearts. In fact, what Jesus says about that actually proves itself to be true in the reaction that people had to hearing his message. What's interesting is that in these verses we get two different reactions, but that both of them come from within the group that is referred to as Jesus' disciples. So these aren't enemies of Jesus, these aren't skeptics, these aren't people that are just a little bit curious about Jesus and want to hear some of the things that he has to say. No, everybody here is referred to as a disciple of Jesus. And yet we're told that the first group was offended by what he said, and and it says that many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They found what Jesus said to be unappetizing, and they decided now was the time to spit it out. So then Jesus turned to the twelve, that closest group of disciples. For all we know, they were the only ones left at that point. And Jesus said, well, what about you? You don't want to go too, do you? And it's Peter of all people. You know Peter's reputation, right? Normally bumbling Peter. Normally speak first and then think second. Peter, normally stick your foot right in your mouth. Peter, he gives this perfect answer to Jesus' question. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And it was exactly as Jesus had said. So many of his disciples had found that message unappetizing, but the Holy Spirit had worked faith in the hearts of Peter and these twelve and caused them to have that increasing appetite for the bread of life. See, friends, it's easy for us to think that if, if we want our appetite for the bread of life to grow, then we should take Jesus in just little bits and pieces. Just a little bit here and there, just as as sort of this small portion of our overall life and our overall priorities. Jesus says that with his word, it, it doesn't work that way. By nature, we find that message unappetizing and unappealing. And so if you ever look at your life and realize, boy, recently that's what I've been doing with Jesus. I've just been taking little bits and pieces, little crumbs around the edges, little, little sample tastes. Realize the strong warning implicit in these words that 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 cannot go on forever. That at some point you're going to find that message so unappetizing and so unappealing that you're going to decide it's time to just spit it out entirely. Instead, what we need is what Jesus provides. A heaping helping of his words piled high for us to chew on. That's how the Holy Spirit will work in our hearts. That's how he will increase our appetite for the bread of life. That's how he will reorder our priorities so that we live our lives in that way 
that we know to be true, with nothing more important than Jesus, the bread of life. To say with the writer of Psalm 119, your words are sweeter than honey in my mouth. Speaking of which, next week we start a brand new worship series. It's entitled Back in Session. As the summer winds to a close and the school year routine resumes, we're going to be tackling some of the tough questions that people brought to Jesus and that people still have for Jesus. Also next Sunday after church, we're going to have an orientation meeting for all of our Sunday school families to talk about the upcoming Sunday school year. And one of the things we're going to be talking a lot about is how God's word is not just a a Sunday morning thing and not just a Sunday school thing, but an everyday in home thing. Two weeks after that, on September 11th, we're actually going to start our Sunday school year and Bible study for adults every week, 9 a.m. It's really the perfect opportunity for each one of us to look at our lives and look at our priorities, to ask ourselves, how have I been treating Jesus, the bread of life? Have I been going for for little crumbs, little bits and pieces, or have I been piling, heaping helpings onto my plate? Realize the implications of both. With the first, again, at some point, we're going to find Jesus' words so unappealing, so unappetizing, that at some point we're going to spit them out entirely. But the more we pile on Jesus' words, the more the Holy Spirit will work faith in our hearts, the more he will increase our appetite to hear more and more and more of what Jesus has to say. And the beauty of all of that is that as we live our lives on Jesus' words, on the bread of life, we can put our complete confidence in Jesus' promise that we will never, ever be hungry. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.